from Rule 62 Studios in Bossier City, Louisiana. This is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. And welcome back to episode 26 of the Grouch and the Brainstorm. And I'm Mike, and I'm joined today by Jill. Say hi, hey. Jill. Hey. Matt. Hey, everybody. And Jane. Hello. And Jane is back with us. She's going to do an episode with us and hopefully do a lot more episodes with us. So Absolutely. Glad to have her. Glad to have her back. And um, if, if you... Uh, just tuned in listen to the previous episode that way jane doesn't have to reintroduce herself how about that sure. there you go. <laughs> there you go. and uh so tonight we have uh we're gonna talk about and i, I don't know why we say tonight and i was like wait what it's it's morning actually <laughs> you still say good morning to people this time of day but we're gonna talk about um we're gonna talk about step eight and step nine and very important, you know, steps in our program, which all 12 are. We've been through one through seven. We've been through some principles. We've had some guest speakers. We've had, you know, we read a little bit out of the book. We read a little bit here. We read a little bit there. But that brings us to the point where we're at now. And uh, episode 25 was a really good episode. Um, Jane told her story, and and we got to learn a whole lot about her. We got to learn a whole lot about her program and people in AA and just things in general from around the, the sobriety community here locally and 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 maybe even some abroad. But um, good episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, here in 8 and 9, I'm going to start with what the big book says, Okay. And um, I don't have, I have my big book is pulled up on an iPad. So, and, uh, but this is in the chapter into action in the big book, which a lot of the steps are, in case y'all haven't noticed, more than half of the steps are covered in that one chapter. But it goes, now we need more action. And this is following the, our seventh step. Now we need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. Let's look at steps eight and nine, and it says them both in italics or squiggly writing, as some people call it, which is very important. And back in the day, it cost more to publish squiggly writing than it did straight font. So that tells you they spent a little extra cash getting the book, you know, in, in the writing process. But let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we had harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we need to go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris, or debris, as some people say, which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes Remember, it was agreed at the beginning, and once again in squiggly writing, we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. So, and it takes us, after this paragraph, it's going to take us through some amends process and some stuff. Um, but we're going to go back, you know, let's let's just go back a little bit here to step eight. These are two individual steps, you know, just like six and seven, just like four and five. They're individual steps to be worked on their own. Um, and I would imagine your sponsors will know how to do that if you're new to the program. That's you know this is something that requires adult adult supervision. Sure. Um, but let's just go back to step eight, right? And according to the book, according to what I just read, anyway, we already made our list back when we did our drastic self appraisal. 
So, um, you know, it, it was my experience, and, and I can only speak for me, but it was my experience that, one, my first trip through the steps, I really didn't, you know, I, I kind of didn't know what I was doing. I had a sponsor, had a very good sponsor. Um, he knew what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I go through this drastic self-appraisal, and I still have a hard time making a list. I still can't figure out who I've haunted. Even though it's there, it's there. Maybe it's me not wanting to admit it. You know, so I put down the, the easy ones. You know, the, the, the real quick ones, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking step nine anyway, right? I'm going to put down the ones that I'm going to be willing to actually go talk to. I'm not going to put down the ones that I'm not, I don't have the, the good ones. I don't, yeah. The ones that really need to come out. I'm not, but that was where I was, you know, now we, we worked through that. Me and my very first sponsor worked through that, you know, when, and we used index cards, um, and we used a lot of stuff to get this list written. We really did. He really prodded me. And and I wouldn't even call it pressure because he was a very gentle man. Do you remember Dale? I do. Yeah. Dale H. was my very first sponsor. And we we got through it. Um, I'm sure John Jay was in the background somewhere. Those guys were best friends um, back when Dale was still alive. And and but we we got through that, and it was by him asking me a series of questions related around my step four and my step five. Um, but ultimately, even the ones that I did not want to make, I didn't want to make amends to. I didn't have the courage to. I knew I needed to. I didn't have the courage to. We would ultimately put them down on this list and help us in the moving forward process of this step. So. Uh, uh, anybody wants to go first, let's hear your experience with step eight. I got one question though while you're on that. What what do you mean by a series of questions? We would go back to kind of prod you? Yeah, he would go back through and, and ask me, okay, so what about this that happened in your you talked to me about this. Do you think you didn't harm someone in this situation? Right. Can you think it out? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. He can he asked why a lot. And did you have any that you thought were amends that you needed to make that he told you, no, don't worry about that, that it wasn't? Um, no, I think my biggest problem was leaving off. I wanted to make amends to some folks before I'd even done step one. Mm -hmm. That was probably my biggest problem. I think that's everybody's. We want to, that was, that was my experience, but I did, I did listen to, to Bobby, my sponsor and, and, uh, you know, that's that's the biggest thing with this is is adult supervision, um, and it gets really important <laughs> because you know this can get out of hand, it can get weird, and my biggest thing was uh, going through eight and nine for me was the the action part of it. It, it wasn't um, financial amends and things like that so much. It was more related to family and like where. You know, being undependable, unreliable, selfish, um, and and focusing on that and making a living amends. So I'm still doing that five years later, and I'll do it till I die. You know, um, but that was where a lot, which I think we all are, the self-centered and selfish, and um, you know. But but I didn't have any either that he said you don't owe an amends. Uh, but I've 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 heard you know different different steps and different things and and we may project something that's not even worth fooling with but but something we don't think is a big deal that's why it's important with a sponsor but did y'all run into any of that 
Oh, I definitely did. With my first sponsor, I told you my fifth step was just throwing up on paper and reading it to her. And then when I did my list, she said, you don't know him and amends. You partied with him. You don't know her amends. You did this with her. You don't, which I found out later was not necessarily the right way of thinking because it was on my heart and my mind. And mm -hmm. I had another sponsor. I said, if you keep thinking about it, you need to take action. So I think the biggest thing is you said your sponsor. Right. <laughs> and yeah, Mike mentioned having a sponsor that he did it with and making amends before you even at step eight and nine. Just recently, some woman got in trouble for writing a letter to her kid to apologize. And I'm like, you know, what step are you on? <laughs> what do you mean what step am I on? I said, what are you doing making a letter to somebody when you aren't on step nine? Well, 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 well. And, you know, that's one thing I grabbed onto is my sponsor said, you don't make amends to people until you're ready to make amends. Because amends are not saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've heard all my life. I said I'm sorry so many darn times that people got sick and tired of hearing me say I'm sorry because I never had changed behavior. Right. So until I've worked the first seven steps, I don't know how to change my behavior. So my first sponsor definitely had told me no. My my second time I did a step five my and then did the step eight, my sponsor said you don't have to make amends to that person. It remained on my heart. And I ended up trying to make amends, and they wouldn't accept them. But at least I was sober nine, ten years when I did that. But definitely, I take the advice that Mike said. You don't do them when you're not even on step one. And, you know, your sponsor tells you the best advice they can give you because they've been there, done that. Sure. And I've had to use that before. Like slow down, slow down, and and you know when I when I got sober, as when you know I know you two as well, you know social media it was a thing, but it wasn't the thing, you know, and and I've heard people say that you know they just get on social media and and make their amends through social media, and you know and I've heard that I've heard mm -hmm. that meeting none of my sponsees I've never had that happen with none of my sponsees, but um but that that is you know, to me, not a way to make amends. That's not an amends. That's a, you know, like you said, that's, that's an I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like there's a difference between gratitude and thanks. Right. You know, so, you know, gratitude obviously being I'm going to show you I'm grateful for what I have or what you've done, and thanks is just, hey, thanks. I couldn't agree more. Give me more, give me more. Well, the same with this, um, you know, I'm sorry and making an amends. And I tried to do it on my own. And truth, truth be known, my entire life was shattered into a million pieces, thousand pieces, whatever. I didn't have a million pieces. Let's say a thousand. And God was picking them up and putting them back in place, the ones I needed, as he saw fit. I let God do his thing. And when I start getting in there, and doing that stuff without a sponsor. And, and so I'm trying to rush the process so I can feel better. And I'm not really and truly all about making my amends. Then naturally I'm going to mess it up. And, you know, the amends that I jumped out there and made at two months over, maybe that turned out to be a complete disaster. Wasn't actually made until a decade later. Mm -hmm. 
It just wasn't actually the real amends was not made till that the time did not come until a decade after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't the time yet. Yeah. It just you know, it just wasn't there. So, you know, and we can um oh God, I get my microphone straight. But but we and we can talk about that one, you know, all day. But I had to and back to your point, Matt, I did. I I just come to think of it, there was a couple of people on my men's list that my sponsor told me I didn't have to make amends to. There was, now that I think about it and look at it in a whole different context. You know, there was, you know, things that involved my childhood that had nothing to do with me, but yet I brought them up in my four-step and my anger against them and, you know, how I felt. But, um, and he, now I'm kind of like Jane, you know, if something's on my heart, if something's just there and it's not going away, then I got to get it, got to get it taken care of. I I made an amends the other day with a person in the program and, and, um, she brought up something from way back and it was a passing moment wasn't even nothing i thought and my intent at the time was not anything to hurt her feelings or whatever but she happened to bring it up again and i thought about it i was like i guess i owe an amends you know and so i did i made an amends with her and and uh um it was cool and she was like well i can't believe it i said well it got me to thinking about it. And I was like, I looked at it from your point of view and yeah, I mean, maybe I could. And I said, that wasn't my intent, but, um, but we're good now, you know, but, um, it, it, uh, it's also, it's also that thing of, of sometimes we do something and God has a little nudge reminder of like, you know, I didn't intend to do that with the lady, but it hurt her feelings. So, uh, you know, and the fact that she brought it up that long ago, I was like, huh? So, I don't know. I one of those God things. Nudges. I do yeah. too. I get yeah. them a lot because I'm hard headed. Sometimes it's a kick in the butt, <laughs> yeah, not just a nudge. What about you, Jill? Um, well, starting off first with step eight, that just that was so easy for me. I mean, I, I knew who I'd hurt. It was blatantly obvious, and I was able to go through that like really quickly. Plus, I'd been in treatment for a long time and already kind of hashed a lot of it out, but. Um, it was still important that I redo that and, uh, you know, get started on those amends. And, and to me, it was the people I loved the most. Uh, mostly family members are the people that I hurt uh, the most. But, yeah, there were quite a few that absolutely my sponsor was like, hell no. Because if it is, if you're going to harm yourself or harm someone else, then No. That's not appropriate. Um, I didn't did not need to go back to my drug dealer and pay him the money that I stole. Um, that would have been a horrible idea. I may not be sitting here. Yeah, probably, sure, <laughs> probably not a good idea. But um, what's like what you were just saying, Matt? What's really cool is throughout the decade or whatever. Like I'll just be in a random place and I'll see someone and be, and then automatically I get embarrassed. I'm like, oh god. And I was able to do that, like at Circle K. Uh, run into uh, an old friend that owned bars that I just got banned from a couple, I mean, just, I was complete ass. Uh, and I was able to, to be like, Hey man, there's a lot of people in this program that tell some wild stuff and I can immediately go, yeah, I get it. I yeah. can feel the spirit. This one, this one Jill here just would throw you off. If you've never seen Jill 
and then you hear her story and you're just going how does this happen like like the church lady on snl yeah, yeah. isn't that special you know? <laughs> seriously to yeah. me it just seems absolutely just normal life of crime there you know and then and then you see jill and you're just like how is this the same deal but thank god for AA. yeah think about banned how- from a club <laughs> been banned for many clubs <laughs> But I was able to make uh, amends with him, and uh, that was really cool. Those spontaneous ones that you just happen to run into, and you're like, oh, I hear you, God. Or it's just like, this was the time. This was when it was meant to be. Um, The amend process is still going on. This isn't something I just did once, and I was like, I'm done. Um, I still will drop the hat. If it's something I need to do to help my sister, my mother, my dad, my niece and nephew or whomever, it's it's important that I still do that because this wasn't just one time I screwed them over and or hurt them. It was a good 20 plus years of just bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? There was something I was going to say, but well, it's gone. Yeah, it'll be back. It will. It will. <laughs> It'll come back when it's supposed to. So, like, let me ask you all this and tying in with all this. And, like, with mine, it was a lot of family stuff, and it still is. So, coming in the program, and then I was probably nine or ten months when I did eight and nine, somewhere in there, because I was in treatment for about 90 days. So, um, I do that, and I start that amends process, and then some of them are living amends. And then I struggle with my behaviors to keep those amends. <laughs> like I go, oh wait, I'm I'm still a I'm gonna cuss, but I'm still a shithead, you know. Like I want to make the amends, but I don't know how to do. So that's been the journey on that thing. It's like when I say I'm still working on those, I'm still trying to fix my behaviors to where it is an amends to those people, mm-hmm. you know. And old things just pop up. My default settings are horrible. Okay, so I think Matt, that's where you need to offer yourself some grace, like you were talking yeah. about last. Uh-huh. Time. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, that that is true. That is true. Uh, but you know, it's still, I just kind of sometimes I get caught up and I go. Yeah, like this is going to be a process. This is not mm-hmm. snap your fingers and and all your bad stuff goes away. You know, um, so. you're right. Well, you're it wouldn't be any right. fun. That's true. <laughs> you just woke up tomorrow morning and you were perfect. What would the point in any of this be? I, and I, you know, talking about treatment centers, I tell them all the time, and they ask, "Hey, what you know? What do I do? What do I do?" And I go. I wish I could like snap my fingers and everybody in the room be like three years, you know, have three mm-hmm. years clean and sober. But if I did that, y'all all go right back out because it'd be too easy. It'd be too. <laughs> you need str- to go through the, oh gosh, yeah, like the, the, the pill struggle. that will make you feel better. Only one is needed, but I'm going to take three or four. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh, so what I was thinking about the. Uh, there were just so many different types of amends that I needed to make. You know, of course, the people that are hurt. Um, I mean, this was all of them, but. Financial amends. That was huge for me because I was pretty much a freeloader um, for for quite a while, for quite a while. And so my sponsor was like, you need to start paying your family. And I was like, I'm making $8 an hour and the IRS just literally my first paycheck found out where it worked and was like, <laughs> gotcha. You yeah. know, I was like, okay. Mm. So anyway, yeah, um, I started sending $5 a paycheck. Um, to my mom, my sister, and my dad until they were like, please stop. 
And I did that. Uh, it was important for me. And that's not even near, not even near the amount of money they've spent on me. But it, it's, it was the action and sure. knowing that I would just do that just because. And, uh, and the last one, of course, the living amends. And uh, th- I think that's one that like broke my heart the most because I lost someone that I was dating um, to suicide because of uh, alcoholism. And gosh, how, how do you do that? How do you do that? And that was a long process because first I had to write the process letter, which I couldn't even attempt in my first 90 days because I just cried because I blamed myself for his death. But, you know, when I left treatment, I got with a sponsor, I was able to write a letter to him and uh, take it to his grave, read it to him. And it helped. It helped. You know, I still think there's going to be pain there, period, that no amount of amends will ever cure. But I stay sober for him because he didn't get a chance to. Mm-hmm. I stay sober for my family because that makes them happy. I mean, it makes me happy too, but there's just so many different ways that I make living amends because I just, I need to. Well, you're a changed person. Yeah. So it's a lot of heck, a heck of a lot easier today than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But those are just some of the different ways I've, I've made amends and, you know, just staying sober, helping another alcoholic and just being the best person I can be and treating other people, other people well, it's just how I make things right. And we have to make, and two people listening with this that haven't done this step. And that's where I try to keep in mind when we're doing this is like mm-hmm. that, that, so you can make the attempt. It's not always going to be that you're welcomed with open arms or that somebody may not tell you to go jump off a bridge. And that part's okay. This is action, action, action. We do the best we can do to clear our side of it up. You know, the result, whatever that result of that is of, of us working with a sponsor, identifying and then making that amends, that's all we can do. We don't control the, the, uh, you know, the result yeah. of that true so. true and i never had any bad results i know i'm i, I know that i'm that's been different for a hell of a lot more people um but all of mine have been pleasant um but like i said i didn't have many outside of my family Jill, as wild as you were i think everybody was just glad you got some. Yeah. oh like, let me tell God. you they really are <laughs> we know in the big book it talk, talks about you know the, the man may throw you out of his office you know, I mean, just and, and in my head, I'm I'm thinking of all these offices I'm gonna have to go to to make a man because you know it's written in 1930s. But anyway, I got a the step eight in the 12 and 12. So there's a couple things I want to read out of here. Right, first is the first paragraph. Step eight and nine are concerned with personal relations. First, we take a look backward and try to discover where we have been at fault. Next, we make a vigorous attempt to repair the damage we have done, and third. Having thus cleaned away the debris of the past, we consider how, with our newfound knowledge of ourselves, we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know. Back to the living amends, right? It's not just an I'm sorry. It may not be something that I can make right. It's just 
I've got to worry about my side of the street. If I keep it clean and keep doing the right thing, then I'm doing everything I possibly can do. But here's one in the 12 and 12 that I, this is this little paragraph right here is one that um, almost forgotten at some point. I believe it might be one of the daily reflections reading, but anyway, um, the emotional harm we have done ourselves. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll start over there. In many instances, we shall find that though the harm done others has not been great, the emotional harm we have done ourselves, very deep, sometimes quite forgotten, damaging emotional conflicts persist below the level of consciousness. That sounds pretty deep, Mm -hmm. right? That sounds like really deep. Like you you, you might (laughs) break it down for me a little bit, but it's only two sentences. But we've actually, in some of these instances, we've done ourselves some major damage by what we have done and emotional harm to ourselves that's, that exists below our level of everyday thinking. So it, then there's something that may come up in our recovery that spurns that and makes me want to do what I know to do, which is not good, right? Um, and then, of course... Um, Another thing that comes out of step eight and the 12 and 12, it talks about a lot about forgiveness. You know, this is the, you know, when we find and we learn to forgive ourselves, when we learn how to forgive other people and emotional security and peace of mind. And then the very last sentence, when it, or the very last paragraph, whenever our pencil falters, we can fortify and cheer ourselves by remembering what AA experience and this step has meant to others. It is the beginning of the end of isolation from our fellows and from God. So in that little bit of what I read, right, it just kind of says, hey, if I'm going to end my isolation, I'm going to have to get this done, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just in step eight. Like I haven't even dove off into step nine in the, uh, in the 12 and 12. That strictly goes by step eight. And so I can, I can honestly say there was 10 people on my list whenever I made a list. You know, start with the easy ones, okay? Of course, you know, your your wife, you know, or currently ex-wife, your kids, mom, dad, sisters, you know, maybe my grand. I'm, I'm struggling to find folks. But but by the time we've actually done this step and we've, we've the prodded questions and stuff, maybe as many as 25 on there, you know. And then there was some that I said, you know, I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to bring up those bad memories for those people, you know, partially because I didn't want to do that. You know, I lack courage, by the way. I didn't want to do that. So there was there was one in particular, though, that I can think of that I said, if I ever see the guy, I'll make an amends. How about that? You know, this that was my my deal with Odell. And um, I was getting off an airplane in uh, Denver, Colorado, Colorado. I had a connecting flight in Denver. So I flew from Shreveport to wherever to Denver, and then from Denver I was going to fly on to, I don't know, Seattle or somewhere. But when I got off my connecting flight in Denver, that guy was sitting in the the waiting area right there waiting to get on the plane I just got off of. The guy that I said if I ever see him again. Now, he's from Mississippi. Sorry, Matt. I forgot he was from Mississippi. He may not even understood what I was saying. Mississippi. (laughs) He's, but somehow he ends up from Mississippi in this airport in Denver, Colorado. And I, from at the time, I think I was living in Monroe, end up in this airport 
in Miss in Denver, Colorado, at the same exact time. And this is the one I said that if I ever run across him, I'll make an amends. And do you know I I, I got off, I shook his hand. And I, I was like, you know, he asked me how I was doing, told him great, asked how he was doing, and then I started walking. And I got about 20 yards, and I said, this opportunity will never happen again. You need to turn around and go back and do what you got to do. And I did not want to. I just did not want to. So I turned around and went back and did what I had to do. You know, I made my amends with him, and, um, and all's well. You know, everything. I think shortly after that, he reached out to me. Back then, I had so a, a Facebook profile. He reached out to me, and, you know, we talked. But I felt so much better. I don't even know why, you know, but I felt so much better after I did that. But he was one of the ones that had to be brought out on my original, you know, eighth step, making that list. This guy had to be brought out on it. So, Yeah, I, I had him added on to me as well. I think I had, like, two on my list or something not that i had more than that but yeah when you start really you get into selfishness with people and and just forget money for a minute you know taking away from from other people as far as selfishness time or whatever that might be who mine was long so um my list was quite long Right. When I finally made a list, it took me a while to make a list. I was telling you all before the podcast, I was the victim here. I had not done anything wrong. And when I finally developed a conscience, which I didn't have before Alcoholics Anonymous, I had a quite a long list. I was able to make amends to all my husbands. <laughs> my last big amends, which was like ninth step amends, was... I was 20 years sober, and I found someone on Facebook that I had done something really crappy to when I was 17. I was partying at her college, and I met a guy and left. Didn't tell her. This is way before phones. Never told her anything. I was gone for two days. (laughs) She called my mother. Yeah. The Janes disappeared. They're ready to call the police and go looking for me. And I'm shacked up with some guy in his dorm. (laughs) So I called her and said, look, you know, I'm really sorry. I that this was my goal. This is what I did. I was wrong. And if there's any way to make it up to you, I will. She goes, oh, no, I'm still getting high. Don't worry about it. Whoa. Oh. Yeah, men's are great. I mean, I was able to make amends with a, a girl that I beat up one night. Um, <laughs> and she just said, I'm, I, she was like, I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> I mean, everybody knew I was a drunk and everything else. Jill, I just think your whole world just breathed a sigh of relief. They're like, <laughs> Jill has a sobriety date. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Even old friends are like, thank God. Some obscure friend has checked out this podcast. <laughs> We're going to get a voicemail. Hey, Jill beat me up back in 82. We After I banned her from the bar. <laughs> That's right. She was six trying to get in my bar, you know, underage. Uh, but seriously, the most, like I was saying, the most difficult one, of course, was uh, was Will. And um, as far as like what happened between us was he drank all the beer one night because we would split a case and I came back came back to his house and I was like oh my god I just lost my shit on him I mean I was just like why would you not leave me my 12 pack so he just drank the whole thing and I lit into him I cussed him out and those are the last words he got to hear out of my mouth was the ugly things that I said to him um 
And thing is, like, he killed himself like a couple of days later, but I didn't get to make amends. And the thing is, like, my change behavior, I don't cuss people out anymore. I don't talk to people like that because um, that that shattered my heart in a million pieces and it still gets to me um because that's like wow that was me like I was so selfish that that was my beer that I needed to cuss you out and made you feel just a little bit more like shit when you already were feeling like shit so um man I, I'm I'm really big on the golden rule and treating people the way I want to be treated. That's the last the last time I've talked like that. It's important. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Thanks. Treating people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, and some of us come into this thing where, you know, we feel like we have been mistreated by everybody in the world up until now. We like Jane said, a perfect example. We we are the victim. And we come in and we think everybody has treated us poorly, so we're going to start treating everyone poorly. Mm -hmm. And that is just not the way, I mean, I I can't operate like that. I I can't. I'll give you a quote, exact quote of one of mine off of doing eight and nine, and I did it with my sponsor, and this is what he told me. This is where my head was at back then and how I had no way of looking at affecting anyone else, how my stuff, right? So I had both my parents on my list of that of that that they had done me wrong. Okay, oh yeah, I'm mad. I wouldn't be this way if it was. They they were just a long group of on a list of, and so I'm reading off this this thing with him, and I said, you know, I mean they 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 made me go to church. They made me do. Them. And he, and Bobby's driving down the road, and he looks over at me, and he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He goes, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, wait, your parents made sure you had clothes to wear every day, and they made you go to church? They made you go to school and, and get good grades? And he goes, they wow. fed you every day? Yeah. And he goes, they did all that stuff? And I was like, oh, well, yeah. And he goes, what's your problem? <laughs> and I was like, okay, scratch those off. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. My bad. <laughs> those were my big ones, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, how, how far have I come now to look back on that and go, God, my head was so far up my own butt. Like, it was just the world revolved around me and everyone was out to get me, you and, know? And I find that true with a lot of people and their parents. Yeah. And it was just, it was cool, you know, doing all these steps and being able to let them off the hook for stupid. Mm-hmm. I thought that was wrong. And it's like, man, they were just doing the best they could ridiculous and i look back at like now with the program and then i think back to my parents and what they were raised up like and they were they were doing the best they could that maybe they knew how to do at the time and you know i mean overall big picture i had it better than 99.9 percent of the people out there exactly and he's looking at me my sponsor's looking at me like this guy's a maniac like i can't even believe but that was that was where i was at you know yeah, my parents took a beating too. Yeah, <laughs> why I don't know. Like I was just father of the year. <laughs> you but know, you I, know, and I, the, the, this my mother's in town this weekend for her birthday. But I talked to her a few months ago, and we were talking, and she looked at me and said, "I finally got my son back." That's what she told me. 
and she was talking about your brother yeah well I, she didn't specify which son <laughs> so um you know uh that's that that's open for interpretation but but to 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 go from where i was and how i was doing you know that's just a credit to being around you guys and a sponsor and uh, my higher power for and sure. to matt's credit I, I saw you know his mom actually came and listened to um, him tell his story one time has she came to any other she was with me uh friday night was she we went to the five thirty. yeah she uh she's came and t- you know came to listen to him tell the story and all that and i think your mom my mom about the same same age she um you know she told me the first time she'd ever been to an aa meeting was my four-year birthday and um I she think came. i was there yeah yeah and but She'd never been to Alcoholics Anonymous, didn't know anything about it, you know. And I had some family show up, and she showed up, surprised me, uh, and they came. And when we left, you know, everybody's meeting her and talking to her and all that stuff. And when we left, she looked at me in the car, and she goes, now I understand how you were able to get yourself straight. Mm -hmm. And she goes, that's special in there. And I said, yeah, it is. So, Yeah, I made my living amends to my mom by taking care of her when she had cancer. And she'd be handing me her car keys going, I think it's time for a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. I do give my mom a hard time, though, because I'm like, if you're mean, dude, just remember, it's getting close to that time I get to pick the nursing home. You know what I'm saying? So let's, let's be nice. I think be she's going to stay with you. Yeah, I, she may. She probably will. But she's got more energy than me. I can't keep up with her. Yeah. So it's over with. But. That's because she doesn't eat meat, Matt. That's right. She's healthy. And then she's getting on me about what I am eating while she's eating healthy. So. But, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to remember when we transition from the eighth step to the ninth step that our amends are something that are cleansing and healthy and good, not a punishment. Because when I first thought about the ninth step and having to make amends, I thought I was being punished. Sure. Why do I have to, again, victim mentality, why do I have to say I'm sorry? And thank God my sponsor was not saying to me, it's okay, Jane. She's gone because you did something wrong, Jane, and yeah. you got to make amends. Yeah. And making amends is more than just saying, I'm sorry. It's saying, and what can I do to make it right? And I hated that line. That yeah. second part of the ninth step yeah. mm-hmm. is not what I wanted to hear. What can I do to make it right? And there are times when you had to make financial amends and, there are times when you have to apologize to people that you're the victim of because your response wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's not a case of being in trouble that you have to make a ninth step amends. And I just really thought that's what it was about when I first learned about it. Yeah. This morning I woke up and I uh, just automatically thought about an old friend. I mean, I grew up with her. And something that I said to her in high school that literally broke her heart. And it's so weird that that came in in my head this morning. And I remember thinking, it's about time. Mm -hmm. It's been over 30 years. I should make amends. And she'll probably be like, what? (laughs) Do you have access to her? Sure do. I'll see her this Christmas. Mine was 40 years in the coming. Yeah. And I just... It seems insignificant, but the point is, like, it keeps coming up in my head. Yeah. And that's how I know, like, I've got to set this right. And it's really interesting how when you do this, you don't think about it again. 
mean, you're just like, okay, done, taken care of. And um, again, this is just a, another, um, my mouth getting myself in trouble. Mm-hmm. So let me open a can of worms that Mike cracked the door on a minute ago with Uh-oh. what he was reading, but I've been waiting to ask this one. So uh, I want all, all y'all to answer this one because I know where I'm at on it. But did you have yourselves on that list? Oh, absolutely not. I didn't either. Isn't it not funny at first. How Again, I was the victim. But we don't put that on the uh, on a um, to make an amends to ourselves. Not right? at first. I did not until my sponsor said you're missing someone. Yeah, mine too. And I was like. Like, first of all, like, how do you know? Um, yeah. Who do you know? What do you, where have you been? Have <laughs> you been reading my diary or whatever? And I'm have so- you, have you, this is the, the, the kicker part to that. Have you made that amends? I mean, yes. is it still working on it? Yeah, I'm still working, still working on it. <laughs> I think so I always will. That's a, that's the biggest struggle in this whole process is we just talked about grace for ourselves and, but it's still like i just i don't know what that is but it's like i I still will get consumed with and it's always at night while i'm doing my nighttime prayers (laughs) guilt shame and remorse really things that i did to my dad mostly my dad's been gone since i was 28 and i was extremely loaded at his funeral i mean i couldn't face it without being loaded and i just i think about the pain i caused my dad and I, my dad actually told me he was very, very sick, and so he was on a lot of medication. We'll leave it at that. He told me I was the only one that ever gave him trouble. Mm. And I don't think he meant it to hurt me. He was just speaking out right. of whatever. So guilt, shame, and remorse still hits me today with 23 sure. years sober. What could have I done different? And then I stop and I think God, I hear the God whisper saying, "You are doing something different." Sure. Yes, you are. You know. Sure. So that's that. That's the grace that comes to me from God that tells me, "Give yourself grace." And sometimes we listen to, uh, and and I, the reason I bring this up, I had that kind of an experience the last few weeks with a person from the past that um, was bringing up some things, and and uh, you know, I have to sometimes just trust. I don't have to listen to that outside stuff uh, from the angle they're coming from um, and go, you know, I am making a lot of progress. Not at all happy with where I'm at now. I mean, I will be, but, um, but it is progress and, and that's all I can do, you know, and sometimes we get those, those things in our head, you know, you, you sit or you get a quiet minute and you go, Oh, I'm not, Oh, I'm doing, I should have done that, you know, and you Jim and you just have to go. Here's the result. I'm I'm. This is where I was. This is where I'm at now. And I know I'm working on it. So, um, and that's all we can do. But, but I'm like Jill. I'm not done with that amends yet. It may be a long, mm-hmm. long time. So, I think one of the worst sayings and the best sayings. It's a oxymoron in AA is progress, not perfection. Right. Because that's how you give yourself grace. But that's how you make an excuse to do it again. And which side of the spectrum are you going to be on? And sometimes, like, with ourselves. <laughs> so true. That is so true. Yeah, it, but with ourselves, this this is me me only, okay? But I get clogged up in my own junk, and I let it get in my head like we're talking about. But then I go to meetings, and this goes back to being around a group and having a home group and having your people. And I see people come in, and they're and I go, man, I'm – well, they're struggling, you know, and 
never thought of me. Uh, it just sort of brings that back, and I go, yeah, you know, that was me not long ago. And but then I see them work the program and do the stuff and actually stick to it, and then they start to things start to go better, and you hear, oh, I got a new job, and I. I made amends with my family and I got my visitation with my kids, whatever it might be. And I go, God, this works. And, but I go, they've been coming in here two years now. And it's finally, it's a slow process, you know, and it just reminds me it is a process and, and I don't need to get bogged down in just the moment to moment junk sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, but you will be disappointed. Yes. (laughs) What was great about these steps is that, the likelihood of me just going around hurting people as long as I stay plugged in and staying spiritual, it's just doesn't happen like as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what I think what we're trying to achieve here is a change behavior um, so that we don't go around, just continue to hurt people. And then change behavior too, not intentionally hurting, but now when you do, it's real quick. I'm like, oh no, I need to fix this. It's like I know quick. I did wrong. There's a step for it too. Sure, we're gonna sure. get to it. It's, <laughs> it's coming up. And next, next, it's yeah. uh, step ten. But, but yeah, I mean, but this prepares us for, you know, this this eight and nine prepares for life in recovery. Basically, it's like this is gonna be your. I guess if you were military, this would be the basic training part, and we're fixing to get on to life after, you know, um, and uh, and constantly rework them. I promise I have to rework and rework and rework. Well, you know, so one thing I want to say before I forget it is I went to, um, you know, in addition to all of my trips out to, you know, the facility, and then um, I went to a lot of hospitals, Um Willis Knighton, 72 hour, the whole, you know, a lot. I did that a lot, emergency room. And um, and then I sporadically from the year 2000 to 2011 would attend an AA meeting here and there. And no matter what, I would always look up at that wall and skip through the first eight steps and see step nine and be like, there ain't no way. Yeah, maybe I can do all but that one. Maybe, you know, seriously, that the rest of them were, I could, you know, possibly not even make a list. There's no point if I'm not going to do step eight, you know. And I, and I learned in AA, fear is a, um, what is it called? A corrosive, a deadly and corrosive thread or, Mm -hmm. um, and it it can actually be a deadly and corrosive thread through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? If I, if I let it be. So, but I would look at that step nine and go, there's no way I'm going to make amends. I don't have courage. I'm just just something. I'm like the lion on the Wizard of Oz, right? I was just born without courage, okay? Um, now, I have found courage through the higher power. I have. Some of these things, some of these amends I made, I just had to just say, okay, I'm going to show up. God, I just need you to do, you do the rest. I can't do it. And that's how it happened. But... Um, because I just don't generally have courage when it comes to a lot of things. But um, but I would see step nine, and I'll be, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to do it. And that would ultimately be one of my many excuses for not staying in said program, whatever it was, whether it was Willis Knighton or um, Brentwood or any of the, of the Alcoholics Anonymous, whatever the program was, because I did not want to make amends. And then finally, it got so bad. I became willing, 
to do anything. And if I've got to make amends, I just have to make amends, you know. And then in my head, I'm thinking, I'll figure out a way to do it. I'll figure out a way to do it where it doesn't look like, you know. And But there's eight steps before it. Mm-hmm. There's eight steps. And, and my sponsor kept telling me that. We're, we're not worried about nine. We're on one. Yeah. Right. We're, we're working step one here and, and then we get to two and then three and then four. By the time I got to step nine, it really was nothing like I had pictured in my head all those years. It was hard. It wasn't something I like to do. Mm-hmm. It was a very the process is, is very um, it brings about humility. How about that? Something that I needed. And, um, but it definitely was not the way I pictured it going into these rooms and seeing it written on these walls. And I always say that that's looking up there and going straight to step nine always ran me out because I knew I was going to eventually have to make amends. But no matter what, I was eventually going to have to make amends. No matter how I look at it, if I was going to stay alive or stay out of jail or stay out of an institution, I was going to have to make amends. And, um, and thank God for good sponsors. Man, that's just, I wish. You ain't lying. Man, just, you know, because I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to do all this by myself. And, again, I didn't have to. I had to make the amends by myself. But I didn't have to go into making this amends. And we talked it out. We talked about it. And the one time I went rogue, doing it on my own, didn't work out. So, you know, and I, I, I make sure that... Uh, I try to make sure my guys visit with me before they go doing something like that. Let me ask this totally random. Um, so we, we have a lot of people on here, and they were talking about going to rehab and going to institutions, and then you brought up hospitals. Were you ever so hammered you checked in an animal hospital? What? See, there's new bottoms. There's always new <laughs> bottoms if you keep digging. You know, I just thought I'd ask. To the vet? You know. Well, I think once once the insurance part rolls, <laughs> that's around. what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> they're, they're sorry, man. You're not covered. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Three minutes from euthanization. <laughs> put him down. Someone from AA came in and rescued me, Matt. What is happened it, to Mike? We put him to sleep. <laughs> Matt, is this like a common thing? I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> Who the hell does that? Me and Mike get in trouble sometimes. I want to know how he knew where an animal hospital was. Well, you know, (laughs) I'll leave that for another time. (laughs) I have no. The answer, no, I never. It just occurred to me, but it's probably happened in the history Uh, of AA. Just saw a hospital, wandered in. Drink, Matt. Uh, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Someone, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I think the (laughs) word, no. Um I think that a, a lot of times I would check in because the feeling I was so dehydrated mm-hmm. and the feeling was so bad that, you know, there's, you, there's nothing else you can do. And then going through the withdrawal process is just, just wasn't healthy by myself, Mm-mm. you know, and there in the end, it, it was a, a, a common thing to go through the withdrawal process. You had, you had DTs, right? Yes. Yes. So a lot of people may not, you, you got, you, Will you tell us about that to, for people that? Okay. Well. Um, well, first of all, alcohol withdrawals are fatal. Yes. yes. Can be fatal. And shouldn't be done alone. Right. And But, you know, prior to my coming in here and learning this, um, I would generally stop drinking about 18 hours before I had to be somewhere, whether it was work, whatever, about, about 18 hours. I, I would set an alarm when I started. 
anyway, 18 hours was my standard. Um, I would wrap up in covers and it could be 90 degrees outside. It could be whatever, but the heat was on and I would shake and snot and puke mm-hmm. and, and, you know, heave blood vessels, bust in your eyes. And when it's finished or it doesn't, I don't even know if it finishes, but you, you I was like, I didn't even have a, um, like my hands were so, the muscles were so fatigued that I couldn't even hold a pen. Mm. And this, this was a regular occurrence, you know, again, very dangerous, could have led to a stroke or a cardiac seizure. arrest. I've, I've had seizures related to alcoholism. You're a real alcoholic, huh? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, have hallucinations? I never did. No, I, um, I, I never had hallucinations. I would have, I would have, um, let's just say I was on a, a long bend, bender, they call it in the big book, a bender, but a binge. And I would have spots in time that I didn't know if they were real or if they were imagined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would be, just say today, you know, this isn't one of them, obviously. But let's just say right now, all of a sudden, I'm sitting here talking to Jill and Jane and and Matt, and I have this three-day memory of something that may or may not happened and it's never good. It's always bad stuff mm-hmm. that maybe I'm going to end up in trouble for or going to end up in jail for, or, you know, and I don't know if it's real or if it's imagined. And, and so there was never any, so looking back, you know, now that I can put together a timeline, um, most of the time I was passed out. There, none of it, nothing really was real. Did you, um, were you a blackout drinker? I, I never drank and not blacked out. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that I can think of, I never drank and not blacked out. So if I could, if there was a time when I had a couple of sips and, and oh, this is great. And let's, you know, but I can't think of a time in all the years mm-hmm. because my body, I was, I was alcohol dependent. So it was really a matter of drinking until I stopped shaking. And then once I stopped shaking, if I wanted to get the effect produced by alcohol, then I would drink a little more and go into a blackout, and that could last for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, a couple of times I blacked out uh, whole weekends. Yeah. I was in treatment. No idea. And. Oh, yeah. And I think mine, and the reason I ask, and I'm interested in that, because Mike wasn't a drug guy, and I had both things going on, and some of the other stuff that that also I was detoxing from was pretty bad. And I was in, actually went to detox for a few days and then went to treatment, and I started going into serious withdrawal in the treatment center. And there was a guy who was my roommate, and I would just lay there all night. I couldn't sleep. I was rolling into it, like Mike said, pouring sweat, all that stuff. And uh, my roommate in there, he had some slippers on the floor. I can picture it right now. And they would just slowly slide across the floor in the dark. And there was a window, and the light was shining on the floor. And I'm just watching those slippers, and I would blink, and they would go back. And then they would do it again. And and this poor guy couldn't get any sleep. And he, and I'm I'm miserable, you know. And uh, finally, I was like, man, them slippers are moving. And he goes, I'll take care of that. And he got up, took the slippers, and he threw them out in the hall, and he slammed the door. And he goes, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> I was like, okay. But, yeah, and that was the point. They 
they sent me on another mini detox. Yeah. So You guys are making me think of how I've never detoxed. I went to the emergency room with a migraine so often so I could be shot up with Demerol and Vescril yeah. to get rid of the pain in my head because I felt like it was being hit with a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm numerous numerous times and until just now i never thought about how i was reacting to it i never went sober to the emergency room Hmm. never i don't think i I missed a sticks concert because of it (laughs) we played so hard before the concert (laughs) on the way to the concert we forgot our tickets had to turn around (laughs) lovely tickets i said just drop me off at the emergency room and they're like say what i said just drop me off at the emergency room. That's back when Dennis D. Young was still with them. Yeah. Hey, Tom, I saw sticks too. Tommy Have Shaw. You seen them? No, I've never. This was nineteen, probably nineteen eighty. Nineteen ninety. I think I saw them in the nineties. In nineteen ninety nine, I was rear ended on a bridge in Bozier, the the, the bridge, the um, Jimmy Davis, uh-huh. by a car truckload of people headed to the Sticks concert at Century Tale. And That's what I would do. They immediately started <laughs> chunking alcohol over the bridge. Once they, hit. <laughs> they were in a company truck. Oh uh, they immediately started just going to the edge and just dumping ice chests full of stuff <laughs> over the back. Because, <laughs> oh, you know, and traffic starts backing up. And that, you know, at Jimmy Davis, it, back then, I don't know how it is now, but it was the same. If it was cut off, it was cut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. And it was, it was bad. Yeah. It was absolutely bad. So... The moral to the story on step eight and step nine is number one, get a sponsor and use that sponsor to help you get through step eight and step nine. You know, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. The only idea. Yep. That's uh, exactly what I'm saying. And the rest of them too, not just eight and nine, but they're real important on eight and nine. And um, obviously do it. And it says, you know, made our amends whenever possible. It doesn't say wherever possible. So whenever that's possible, you know, to do it, just do it. But have a sponsor. That's the most important thing. And um, all of us, from based on our experience, we, we've gathered that you get some relief from it. You get, you know, maybe even be able to grant yourself a little grace, Matt, whenever you do that. You know? Working on it. So that, that forgiveness of ourselves may lie somewhere inside of that amends process. Um, so anybody got anything to add? Good. Just do it. Just do it. That's Thanks right. to Jane. She's awesome to come out here on a Sunday morning and do this with yeah, us. Yeah. Thank you, I'm Jane. I'm on my way to a meeting. There you awesome. go. We're we gonna, appreciate you. We're going um, to send some shout outs now. So let's not forget. And as always, we want to thank our loyal listeners. We got Michelle. We got Faith and Kim and Rhonda. We have uh, Larry and Judy. Um, want to thank our folks in South Louisiana, Amy C. down in Lacombe, and Todd. I want to mention Todd. He led, um, obviously, him and Jane, um, or they're married. They're a couple. She came to the studio today and helped us out with an episode. So I want to thank Todd for uh, just being part of this uh, recovery program. And I want to thank uh, Bree and uh, so many more we could thank. And um just leave a voicemail, leave an email if you don't want to you know, want us to play your voice on the air. It's G and B Bozier, B O S S I E R at gmail.com. It'd be great to hear from you so uh, that we could, you know, give us some ideas. You know, a lot of times I'm on my way over here and I'm thinking, what are we going to record? And 
Um, I try to keep with the, you know, with the script, with the program. I also try to keep it as unscripted as possible, which reminds me, I need to correct an error. And at the very end of this show, you know, I said that um, I misquoted a step. Um, and step nine is made direct amends wherever possible. So I, I want to, I said whenever, I should not have said that. So I do want to correct an error on that before I get the emails and the phone calls. Um, so thank you for listening, and um, next week we'll dive off into um, more recovery. So signing off from Bossier City, Louisiana, I'm Mike. This is the Grouch and the Brainstorm.